0: M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Oh my God, I can't wait. It's happening. It's happening. This is M. The internet lost its collective mind. She is choosing to focus
1: on the one time in history where one of her conspiracy theories actually was correct except yeah. for Trump being elected. What yeah. are you saying
0: is erectile dysfunction? Don't know. I'd get but on board with that theory.
2: <laughs> You're in M.
0: Hello, darlings. Welcome to episode five of emsalation. I am sitting at my kitchen table looking out my deck that I've been working very hard on. I've been sprucing it up because before it was just a barren wasteland of dog pee and poo and um, I got some stuff in from Bunnings and I've been planting and I have a black thumb so I'm hopeful the plants will survive the winter but um, I'm not hopeful. <laughs> Today is Scotty's birthday. He's turning 47. God, he's in ripping nick. It's not fair. He just gets better looking. So I've got out of my pyjamas and um, popped on some clean underwear and put on a face as a special treat for him. And I'm wearing his favourite colour as well. And we're going to have a special dinner tonight. Um, He wanted a bike computer for his birthday. Boring. So um, that's what's been happening today. It's overcast in Melbourne. I have just had my second coffee and I'm feeling good. I had a rough day yesterday and I think Monday, Tuesday was tough. Uh, It's Wednesday now, of course, the day we record and I'm feeling good. And I want to thank you all for all the messages. I've had thousands of messages and the one thing I'm getting is and when I listen it turns my day around and that turns my day around reading that. So normally we spend this time together at the start of the podcast but I wanted to do it a little bit differently today. And, in fact, this whole edition of Insulation is a bit different. It's a bumper edition because last Saturday morning, I had a two-hour conversation with my pal, an incredible stand-up comedian, Will Anderson. He was recording an ep of his podcast and asked me back for a third time, but who's counting? Me, I'm counting. Um, his podcast is I can never say it. Willosophy, yes, Willosophy. Oh my god, I can say it, and. We talked about everything, really, and this is so often my conversations with Will, they go this way. We talked about how we're both born hustlers, and by that I mean we both have the ability to pivot and make the best out of a bad situation. We don't rip off little old ladies in the street or sell toothbrushes from, you know, the inside of our stripper trench coats, but I digress. Will is someone that I feel safe with. I know that he sees exactly who I am and he still loves me for it. I never have to be anyone other than exactly who I am when I'm speaking to him. So I thought, as a treat, I'd play you a little bit of our chat here. I hope you get some peace out of it. Despite all the uncertainty and anxiety I have been feeling about what's been going on in the world, I have found my own little bit of peace and I've slowed down and I realized that I needed to. I've been trying to focus on the stuff that's gotten better for me because if I allow myself to sink into the horror of the situation, I I, I can't get out of bed. So I guess the thing that has improved for me is that I'm less busy and my anxiety levels are going down. And it turns out Will has had the same thing happen. So you're gonna hear both of us now talking about the positive thing that we've taken away from being in isolation. I'm finding great comfort in having time so not having to finish things by a certain date because tomorrow I've got four jobs on so I I can start something and feel quite calm about putting it down rather than killing myself to finish it because I can say to myself oh I'll just do it tomorrow the joy of being able to say I'll just do it tomorrow is just my anxiety is so much less and I'm spinning slower because all of a sudden all this time has opened up for me that's been the
3: joy for me I've spoken about it before on the podcast, but this has been a really great example of it, which is I realized that most of the anxiety that I had in my life always came down to me feeling rushed or late yes. or, you know, yes. overburdened Same. with things. Same. And so I started very simply just leaving to get to places early. That was yeah. a really simple thing that I did in my life was like, if I, if if it was going to take half an hour, I'd leave 40 minutes beforehand. And if I got there In 20 minutes, well, I just had 20 minutes to go and get a coffee or I'd read my book or I'd, you know, check my messages, whatever it is. But it never made my life worse. It only made my life better because I suddenly didn't have that anxiety of sitting in a cab for 20 minutes going, I'm not going to get there on time. And this has been a macro version of that, which is, it's amazing how much of my, Regular day-to-day anxiety. Now, some of it's been replaced by some, you know, larger world anxiety, but (laughs) my regular day-to-day anxiety has been taken away by that lack of deadlines. And so how much of that thing that we chalk up as being anxiety is in a way self-created by what it is that uh, we put yeah. in, in our schedule but also yeah. society created by the fact that society demands that you need to be doing these all these things all the time to be viewed as being competent and successful yeah. and a working part yeah. of society and what we're seeing right now is that a lot of that is fucking bullshit
0: yeah hundred percent and like stop worrying i was wearing busy as a fucking badge of honor you're like, Oh, I'm so busy. I'm busy all the time. Oh, busy, busy, busy. And that is one thing when this is over, I will not go back to, I will not go back to being someone who in some says, how are you? I'm like, Oh, I'm flat out. I never want to say that ever again. I never want to say, Oh, I'm so busy because I love, I'm still being as productive. I'm, I'm making more stuff than I've ever made, but I'm less busy. And I, love it. I love the way it makes me feel. And you're right. I don't even know if I was as anxious a person as I thought I was, but I was the same as you. I, I I always felt I was running late to the next thing and I was overscheduled and, oh God, if I do this and, and I was always calculating time and traffic and punt road and blah, blah, blah. And now it's just... It's so good and I never want to go back to that way of life. So if that's the only thing I take with me, then, you know, that something good will have come from this situation, I think, for me personally. God, I love that man so much. Oh, So you can hear the whole chat on Will's podcast, Willosophy. It's out now. And I really encourage you, if you found the same as me, to hold your space when the world starts spinning fast again and we all go back to what was happening before in our lives Hold your space because, and I need you all to remind me to do that. But I'm with the show, it's a bumper edition. Michael and I will be discussing the new Netflix dating show that I'm completely consumed with and obsessed with, Too Hot to Handle. We're going to dissect Madonna's Instagram account also. Scotty will be helping you with imposter syndrome. And also, starting today and every Thursday, we're going to be checking in with funny friends of mine just to see how they're handling ISO. Today you'll hear from the extremely hilarious Sam Mack, and he also will have a challenge for you. I know, because I've already listened. Let's crack on.
2: Em Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Em Salation.
0: Hello, Michael Lucas. Hello, Amelia Rossiano. Not our first interaction this morning, but we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it never is. <laughs> no, of course not. It's it hard to, to, to define
1: you. what's yesterday and today yeah. sometimes with how late and how early our texts come.
0: <laughs> well, I talk to you more than I talk to the people I live with, so... That's healthy. (laughs) I know. Uh, I want to get straight to my current obsession. Um, It's a show that has consumed me. It's on Netflix and it's called Too Hot to Handle. And basically, to all the insulation listeners, if you haven't heard of it, it's 14 horny commitment-phobe singles, one island, a no-sex rule and a creepy air diffuser called Lana monitoring their every move.
1: (laughs) Important to say they don't know that it's a no no sex rule until they get there. In fact, they think quite the opposite. They think it's basically the orgy show.
0: They arrive, all of them thinking, I'm just going to be here and just sex it up every day of summer until I leave with every STI on the book. Um, but it turns out they only have twelve hours of romping, and then no, no sexual touching, no heavy petting, no sexing, no kissing. They have to learn how to connect on a deep level, guys. This is real, alright. And if they
1: break the rules, they lose prize money three thousand dollars a pash and yeah. more for you know other indiscretions.
0: Twenty gram for bonking. Uh, 13 grand for HJs. Like, I, the, the it really got quite interesting what people were getting fined, and the prize money just kept getting less and less. Um, so, <laughs> easily <not> to, <laughs> the
1: trashiest thing M has ever, and this is really saying something. I Hang wish I minute. could make you feel the full weight. No. What it,
0: so, what, I won't what's have trashier? This. It starts as trash, but then by the second last episode, which we'll get to, I actually felt like I made my daughters watch the second last episode, and this is. <laughs> Okay. But stay with me. Right. So, first of all, I want to talk about some of my faves. And my very favourite person ended up, she was the first person to arrive. Her name's Chloe, and she's a sex party girl. Hi, I'm Chloe. I'm 20 years old. I'm quite ditzy as well. So, you've just got to be really patient with me (laughs) because I'm not the brightest spark um, in the book.
1: Absolutely gold. Also, she, I think quite genius, if I'm honest. Correct. I really do.
0: Correct. And I think she's underselling herself. I think she's quite a bright spark. And um, she had, I had a real journey with Chloe, but we'll get to that. Now, the next person who appears, Michael, was also someone that I enjoyed watching. His name is Sharon.
4: What I'm most proud of is my penis. I have this picture and mm. it's measured next to an air freshener can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that he went for air freshener. So many items could have been used, but no air freshener.
0: He had to walk around his house, and he had to stage the photo, and God knows he had to set a self timer. That is you know how hard it is to take a cock shot on your own. Jesus.
1: I once knew someone who was given a cock shot, and it was measured next to a pack of Panadol. I mean, that is really saying something. Also, not as impressive. Anyway. <laughs>
0: Yes. Oh my god! And uh, f- and look, the the villain of this show, the girl who literally she actually said these words. I don't care about anyone on the show. I hate everyone, and there's nothing wrong with me. I'm perfect. And I kind of respected her. It was Hailey the sorority girl? I
3: do mostly like go for guys, but if a girl looks just like me. I'm so into that blonde hair, big boobs, skinny, like all that. Like I love that in a girl.
0: If a girl looks like me, I'll go for her. I mean, come on. You've got to respect that. <laughs> now, Michael, the thing that got me in really early was, you know, when I watch, say, all of Twilight in one day, I just, I'm just, i just waiting for Bella and Edward to get together, to break up, to get back together, to break up, because I just live for the, you know, the romantic tension and then the release of them finally hooking up.
1: <laughs> you've been in so, a relationship for coming on 20 years, so you,
0: I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. You turn to some strange (laughs) sources, if not the Wiggles, if not Twilight, too hot to handle. But the thing is, like you you know you can see they all want each other so it's kind of a genius concept this tension it's like the nanny and mr sheffield you know that was like 27 seasons of waiting for them to get together and yeah. what was and what was grandma yetta wearing basically was the two highlights for me from the nanny so you're like oh my god so you just watch cuz you're just gagging for them to finally be out of touch and kiss and i really got invested but i want to talk about and you haven't seen this episode the episode that turned this show and turned Chloe into a feminist icon. The whole <laughs> this is true. This is true. Okay, they have a female bonding session. Michael, did you happen to catch that? I them did well? no idea.
1: This is the this is the last second last
0: act. Yeah, so I went straight
1: to it on your very you. sage advice.
0: Well, feel free to describe what you view. Oh no, no, no,
1: come on, you go.
0: Well, look, it, it was a female bonding session. Yes. Yeah. And the girls arrived and yeah. um they were greeted to, by a lovely woman um, who does these incredible workshops to help women get in touch with their femininity. And the session was called Yoni Puja. And that is <laughs> <laughs> and it is a sacred tantric ritual that has, is thought to have originated in India. And Yoni is the Sanskrit word for volva and puja means to worship. So it means vashin Worship. So straight It's been away, a volva
1: heavy year in our entertainment. <laughs> she first put me onto the Goop series. That's another conversation. <laughs> and now there's a lot of reality shows about volvers. And you know what? I'm enjoying them. Anyway, well, go. Well, I
0: already knew the word Yoni because of the goop egg. Remember when mm. it's speaking of? Remember mm. the Yoni egg? <laughs> Because when I first heard Yoni, I was thinking runny egg, you know, like when you have googie eggs. And I'm like, what? Am I putting a googie egg at my juts? (laughs) 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 And if Gwenna
1: said so, we would be doing it. I mean, not me personally, obviously.
0: You put it in one hole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, so... uh (laughs) So I knew Yoni because of Gwyneth, threat. So anyway, the girls are told it's a Yoni bougie workshop and they have to stand inside a like little makeshift cardboard change rooms and take their G-string bikini bottoms off and they're given hand mirrors and they have to look at their visions. And all of them were like, "I've never looked at my vagina this close." And you could see some of them were quite moved. Mm-hmm. One of them even said it was perfect, and I just thought that was it was so empowering. And my, I watched my daughters watching them look at their yonis, and like I said to my girls, "You girls should be having hand mirrors and looking." I mean, they were horrified, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: doesn't sound like the most comfortable conversation <laughs> to me, but
0: <laughs> but it was just, and but then they were asked to draw pictures of their yeah. beautiful vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember some of the pictures?
1: Oh, I mean, if I could frame them and have them on my wall, I would not.
0: <laughs> some No, it's beautiful. <laughs> some of them is the point. Do you remember what Chloe drew? Do you remember? No, what... Is- well, Chloe decided that Chloe is the feminist hero, my favourite one, who says she's not the brightest spark in the book, but she is. She actually realised that she has been allowing she's been treating her Yoni like trash, basically. Yeah. And she's been allowing too many people access to the Yoni. So she <laughs> drew a butterfly with a condom around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she really went on a journey. I was moved to tears. I'm joking, but the fact is you're probably you probably were moved to tears. I was
0: joking. She she thought that she felt the way to show that she wanted to protect her Yoni was to have a stunning butterfly and around the edge a large condom as the metaphor of protection. And yeah. I wanna believe that she's been using condoms up to this point, but maybe not. I don't know. But I just I feel like I loved it because it was – it gave the girls an opportunity to kind of separate themselves from how other people saw their vision, you know, and that's really cool, don't you think? I mean, yeah. (laughs)
1: I'm going on a journey with it.
0: It was inspiring.
1: Yeah, look, I'm not going to go all the way to say inspiring. I'll say it surprise me given how it began that there was a twist on expectations and they did go on a little bit more of a journey but I mean at the end of the day what uh, well I I, look I mean it was still essentially all about who's gonna bag who let's face it and I, I mean you can enjoy it on that level I mean, How I couldn't you? stop thinking about. Can you imagine us at an equivalent age going on to that <laughs> oh. old? I mean, do oh. you think there's a universe where you could be rewarded with a hundred thousand dollars for not having sex? I would have been making.
0: Bang. Oh my god! <laughs> I would have. I nailed that. I would. I would have been the impenetrable force, like. <laughs>
1: I reckon so- it would have been good if they had someone akin to me come in as a sort of a disruptor to change up the game. If I just wander in going, Hello, I'm Michael, I'm from the suburbs, I can't play sport, and would anyone like to watch Aladdin on VHS? And they would just be like, Whoa, we're getting we're getting the money here.
0: But also for me, it was the way that they could just for as a woman watching frolic in tiny pieces of lycra oh. with nothing jiggling or moving and no, all the no. light was flattering. No one popped a flap. No one had a nip slip. And even if they did, they didn't even care. They'd carry on the conversation. A nut could pop. No one batted an eyelid. Like, it was just for me, it was like viewing another species on another planet. It,
1: it, it really was. It really was. At, there was also Australian representation.
0: Oh, you're obsessed with Harry, uh, are well, I'm Well, obs- I'm obs-
1: <laughs> obsessed with him because... <laughs> He's this dude from Queensland, although Mm. weirdly he's sort of got a bit of a British geezer accent. I don't know what his story is, but he basically Mm. gets together with this, I think she's perceived to be the hottest person in the house.
0: Yeah, Francesca.
1: But it sort of feels like he just seems like your little brother's dickhead mate who pissed in the school bags and they're all falling over themselves about his accent and how hot he is. And then he gets together with this like super Insta-conscious Kim Kardashian type. And I just never understood it on any level, but apparently it was true love.
0: He kept telling her it was. Oh my God. Well, they were the only couple to actually, well, I don't know. Oh, I don't want to ruin it. Okay, I'm not going to spoil it. But I just I just want to say you'll start off with this show and you'll hear about the penis air freshener, okay? And then you'll start to wonder, Em, what the hell are you doing? But then by episode seven when they're uplifting and accepting vulvas, I just feel like this, and the narrator is hilarious and the creepy... narrator. Uh, yeah.
1: It's basically like they've done the snarky, hilarious recap in the show. And Agreed. what a yeah. genius stroke and also what a good <laughs> career opportunity for you in later years. I could See you, you in your retirement, basically. Mm-hmm. That's your dream job.
0: Yep. Sit it at home really with is. a
1: microphone, <laughs>
0: judging people. <laughs> of judging hot people, um, you sent me this morning a nude picture, not of yourself, of Ansel, <laughs> <Very> El- <important laughs> clarification. Yeah, of Ansel Elgort, who um, most people would know from The Folder Now Stars and Baby Driver.
1: I feel like I want to say I, I, I'm familiar with your feelings towards said performer. He's very much. and, and it, Basically, it's sort of because like, he's a great singer and dancer too, as Em has shown to me with various YouTube clips on one of our YouTube binges, and I would say it's almost like if – Almost like if '90s Leonardo DiCaprio was an amazing singer and dancer, imagine the impact of that. That's and a foot taller. And a foot taller. Yeah, he so was pretty tall. skinny, but so was
0: yeah. Leonardo. Yeah, oh, true. And so He's it hot. wasn't he- so
1: much that I was sitting there going, "Oh, hot." It was more like, "Okay, <laughs> I know that this will be. I know what this joy this will give to the Rossiano yeah. household. I need to." Con- mm. Get it there as quickly as possible. You
0: did. You did. And it's him in the shower just pulling his penis gently to the side, basically. And
1: and cloaking the penis, but but you're still getting a very decent look. It's on Instagram. Anyone can check it out. It's amazing. No no strange Googling got me to that. It was was just (laughs) flipping through Instagram, hello, Ansel.
0: (laughs) And uh, look, you need to also explain, my eldest daughter, Marcella, is a massive Ansel fan. I said to you, send this to Tella.
1: Yeah, and, and you- I said no because <laughs> But normally I am- you would. You need to explain why. Oh yeah. So Chella and I look, I mean I, I it's, M very beautifully says calls me her best friend, but what she means is best friend that hasn't come out of her vagina, which is an important (laughs) distinction. Because sometimes it does feel like Chella and I occupy a weirdly similar role in her life. Primarily we're we're pop culture mavens and we send her links. And over Mm. the years, I've started to become a bit competitive with Chella because I'll send them something and then she'll write back going, oh, Chella sent that 45 minutes ago. (laughs) And so it does sometimes feel like the race is on and I get very excited. And if I'm successful in finding something that Chella somehow in her incredible surveillance hasn't scene, then generally I'll celebrate by sending it to Chella and just knowing the bliss of saying, yeah, you little, she's not a millennial, she's younger. I don't even know what she is. I don't even know the term for her she's generation. She's a Zed.
0: She's a Zed. You're, Zed? You're yeah. Zed?
1: I still, I can scroll some Twitter. I can I can do it. Get on the snap. Talk ch-
0: ch- Good <laughs> talk. snap talk. Oh, my God. Did you just say snap anyway, talk? the point
1: is I often win. You wouldn't know it from this conversation. I often win. but in, So, in this instance, I did want to have my celebratory victory lap, send naked Ansel Elgort, whatever his <laughs> name is, to chella and say, well, I beat you this morning. But uh, yeah. it's a picture of a naked man and I'm a 41 year <laughs> middle-aged man and she's a teenager and I just thought not a good
0: look. It wouldn't be a good look if it was you in the shower but you're also her fairy gay godfather so it's like it's totally appropriate for you to send it. I can't send a naked penis-holding picture to my daughter. I mean, I feel like if we're going to have this battle, it would be more appropriate coming from you than me, wouldn't it? Oh, my God, now I say it out loud. I don't know if
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think probably what's looming over her head is not appropriate for either of us, is what I'm (laughs) gonna
0: say. I didn't I did end up texting her, please go and look at Ansel's Instagram with Actually you're right. That's the way to go on. Yeah, with big googly eyes, like I did big googly eyes and emojis, so she knew it would be something a bit sexy. And what was her response? Um is what she said (laughs) back.
1: I hope you said Michael was the one that sent this to me and gave the time. <laughs>
0: that's, that's also an important. Actually, part of my I did not attribute it to you. I took the credit. Oh my god, I'm so so sorry. It's a
1: pretty I- big win, and to be honest, in
0: 2020, I don't know that I've got that
1: many pop culture wins <laughs> over Chella. So I would appreciate it. I don't want to be weird about it. <laughs>
0: but I would like to clock this victory. It's fine. I'll give you all the credit. I swear to God, I will. I'll I'll, uh, let her know the time exactly. And what the time that I got Ansel's penis was, let me just check that time. Just so people know it doesn't mean you were. Um, Where did I get Ansel's penis? The time was, in fact... (laughs) 8:51 oh, AM, quite late actually for you.
1: Yeah, you should have seen. You would have been <laughs> proud, and in fact, Chella would have been impressed at how I saw it on Instagram, and then just it, it, it was like an, this instant reaction, just straight to copy link text. Like it's... not even a hesitation about should I send it via Instagram? Should I? It? No, it's a text of the link straight away. What? Oh, before I even exhaled. <laughs>
0: So proud of you. Now, look, in the intro, I did promise that we would be dissecting Madonna's Instagram account, but let's just tease people that we'll be doing that next Tuesday instead. That is because a big topic. We may need to devote the whole thing to it. We are both Madonna fanatics. You have an encyclopedic knowledge of her entire life. I wrote a letter to her convinced she was my mother when I was 12 years old, um, our friendship
1: was forged at the time she did the Blonde Ambition tour, and that was broadcast on Channel Nine. So it's correct, it's fundamental correct. to us. There's a lot we're going to be going back four decades,
0: and we're worried that she's unsupervised with her Instagram account, and we just want her to protect the legacy. So we're I'm talking probably going to defend
1: that. her. The wool clash.
0: <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh my goodness, I will not be smirch, mother. I just have some concerns that we will talk about, but I will always my loyalty is always with her. Um, so yes, we'll chat Tuesday, Michael Lucas. See you then.
2: See you then. This is m
0: Well, here we are at the helpful section of the show. I like to think my parts are helpful in a way, but not as helpful as the birthday boy, Scotty B, joining us. How old are you today? 29. Definitely 29. You know what? You just say I identify as 29. <laughs>
2: Sure, that's the current language.
0: (laughs) He's 47, but God, you're in ripping Nick, aren't you?
2: Oh, thanks, Dal. It's
0: all right, Dal. Uh, Today's one is another international all the way from England. I'm so excited about our international listeners, Scott.
2: When are we going to get one from Mars is what I want to know. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) I don't know. When are we going to get one? Hang on, he's asked for the microphone back. Where are we going?
2: Well, we had New Zealand. Now we've gone England. So the logical step is a bit further away.
0: Scotty B's doing gear. Guys, he's doing gear. All right. uh, Lauren's one is something that I certainly identify with. I think a lot of you will. Let's have a listen.
1: Hi, my name is Lauren. I'm 23 from England and I need help with my crippling imposter syndrome. Recently, I applied for my first job as a journalist at the BBC. And as I've been slowly making my way through the rounds of interviews, I've just been feeling like I shouldn't even be trying because I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. There are other people who are applying who are more worthy than me, who would be better reporters, and it's literally crippling me. It is all I can think about, and I'm scared that I won't get the job because of it.
0: Please help. First of all, love her voice. It reminds me of Peppa Pig. (laughs) Peppa Pig. Uh, I heard this Scotty and felt this deeply in my soul and bones because I feel like I've been faking it till I make it my entire career. So first of all, what is imposter syndrome?
2: Yeah, well she started to explain it for us didn't she, but I guess it's where in our in our jobs, especially, this where this applies, where we feel there's a gap between our abilities and worthiness for the position and what the job deserves. So having doubts when you take on any project or any job is normal, but this goes further than that. We sort of personalise those doubts and those gaps that we perceive and we're, we're then we're concerned that people are going to find out that we're not competent, we're not capable, we can't do the job, we shouldn't have been given the job, and we're really being concerned with being exposed as a fraud so there's also, I think there's that element of potential like, okay, the shame that would come with that. So the, some sort of deep emotional concerns.
0: Well, you heard that. She, she said that out loud. I'm, I'm, there's other people better than me, but she doesn't know that for sure, but she's assuming that she's not good enough without even knowing the facts. So when it was, people are listening and they're not sure, I mean, I think people would have heard her and just gone, oh my God, I do that. But how does this kind of show up?
2: Yeah, so you heard it. you heard her creating that list. I'm not good enough, other people are better than me. So we, we start to create a list about the reasons why we're not worthy for the job and not capable to do the job. And then that starts to create fear and doubts. And then t- what tends to happen then is we, we then, as a symptom of that, we create these covering behaviours. And what, what some of the research has done is they've classified this type of imposter syndrome into various behaviors that goes with it so there's the perfectionist you become the perfectionist you become the superwoman or the superman or you or, or you start to really leverage the natural genius or you become the soloist so where you're doing everything on your own or the, the you become the expert and and that they're all good qualities but at the same time you they, they're being done to cover up your concern about not being exposed
0: so how can we help her feel worthy of the job she's applying for? Because I feel like if you walk into a job interview, you want to have the air of someone who's like, man, I am, should be here. I'm almost too good for this job. How do we help her overcome it?
2: Well, I'd be doing, based on that question, I'd be doing two things. Um, I would be listing the reasons why you, you do are capable of doing the job and do deserve the job, you know, the, the things that you've got. And then the other thing is um, talking to other people about do they ever get those feelings? Um, How do they handle it?
0: I love that. A problem shared. Is a problem oh. halved. <laughs> but what I'm interested in also is just say she she walks in for the job interview and she starts hearing herself and her like the, the words start coming into her head, in the moment. She's in the moment, I'm not good enough. Or even let's say she gets the job and she's in a meeting and it starts plaguing her. What can you do to pivot out of that mindset? Mm. Um,
2: if you if you had the luxury. You'd be calling time out so you might be excusing yourself from the room or
0: I would say she's a woman in media she does not have that luxury she'll probably be in a boardroom full of men
2: okay so if you have want the ability to do it in the moment you're going to have to train it before the moment mm-hmm. all right and that and when I say train it it's practicing recognizing okay when I feel these feelings these doubt and the self-talk and all those concerns and how does that feel in my body how how, how does that overcome me and then practicing going from that maneuvering from that to a different way. So when I do get these feelings, how do I want to be? What sort of self-talk do I want to have? What sort of language and words would I be using in conversation with others? How would I be sitting? How would I how would I be standing? So you're almost pulling on a different identity, the identity that you want to have when you when you reach those challenge points.
0: I like that. So you become your ideal you. Yes. You you fake it till you make it.
2: Yeah, exactly, and the faking is, all the faking is that initially it doesn't feel like you, but guess what happens? If the more you practise it, bang, it becomes real and becomes you.
0: Bang. I love that, bang. Well, you've done it. I mean, I feel like I can apply all of these things. Is there anything else you wish to add to our young, intrepid reporter? Yeah, yeah, a couple of little things.
2: Um, Sharing this with people that you trust and might be peers at work or personal friends um, sharing with people, discussing it, seeing how they deal with it, blah, blah, blah. That's really helpful. Problem shared, problem halved. And the other thing is remembering. So when you perceive a job to be really, a really good opportunity, you might start to frame up, oh God, this job has to be so amazing. And therefore I'm not good enough, but remember no one began any opportunity or any good job. No one began complete Every leader, every person in, in, in a position has always got strengths and weaknesses. The ones that can deal with it well leverage their strengths and they have a plan for their so-called weaknesses. Um, so that's that's really important to, to notice. So they know, they still get the feelings of doubt but then they quickly are able to redirect themselves to go, okay, how do I want to be and therefore what do I do now? What's what's next for me? Rather than worrying about all the things they don't want.
0: But it's also okay to say, hey, I'm not quite sure about this certain thing, so I'm going to call in someone else and ask them. I think a great leader also knows how to delegate and also knows to surround themselves with people who have skills they don't. So don't be afraid to admit you don't know something. That doesn't mean that you're completely hopeless.
2: No, it, means you're it means you're intelligent to, to problem solve.
0: Yeah. So I'm also just identifying as a 29-year-old um, performance coach right now. Uh, thank you so much for that, Mr Barrow. Happy, happy birthday. Thanks, thanks, Emmy. You're welcome. Did you, you're having a good day so far? So far it's been great. Fantastic. You've requested we go for a walk in the nature in this afternoon. I said, what do you want to do? You can do anything at all today because I want us all to walk in nature.
2: No, walk in a really cool forest near us. Not just walk, Not just walk in
0: nature as a... Are you taking me to, out to a forest um, because you're feeling a bit frustrated with me at the moment or well, careful? Okay. All right. Well, happy birthday and uh, hopefully that didn't undo all your good work. Yeah, that's right. Good luck, Lauren. <laughs> good luck, Lauren. This is m Okay, guys, we're coming up next. Oh, my goodness, so exciting. Scotty's not the end. We've got more bonus content for you. On Thursdays, as I said, we're going to be chatting with funny mates of mine, and today is no exception. He's someone I did radio with in Perth. He's a cracker. He's the only person I know who puts in as much effort into everything as I do. Let's hear from the wonderful Sam Mack.
4: Hello, M. Rossiano, and thank you very much for having me on Australia's number one ranked comedy podcast. How do I know it's number one? Because you told me. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations. Very cool. I thought I would come on and try to uh, spread some positive vibes. There's so much doom and gloom, challenging times, of course, for all of us but we need to cling on to the winds, you know, those little glimmers of hope. And I'll get to mine in a moment. I'm calling it a pandemic positive or a hashtag pan for short. Uh, a little bit of background though, before we get to it. Em, you'll remember this from when we worked together in radio in Perth, hosting the Em and Sam Mack Show. Hashtag never forget. We told the story of that time when... I um, cooked myself a steak for dinner. I'd recently moved into my house, realized only once I'd cooked it that I had no plates in the house. So ended up eating a steak off of a newspaper. I used a newspaper as a substitute plate, a real low point. So I'm not overly domesticated. That was about 10 years ago. Things have not improved dramatically since then. Uh, these days, I'm a traveling weatherman slash tour with Sunrise, It does mean that I'm away from home three, four nights a week often. Uh, I haven't had a girlfriend for a number of years. That can't be true, Sam. Yeah, it is. Uh, Recently, that changed. That's a story for another day, though. You're welks. Um, But it's meant that I've had good excuses to not cook and to avoid this area of my life where I'm not overly skilled or passionate. Uh, But something's changed recently. I went through um, some, some records of mine and realized that in the past year, I have not gone a single week without ordering Uber Eats. That is disgraceful, that is depressing. I feel like I'm not a real adult and I need to be better. Uh, The absolute low point was on one Sunday, and I have the record of this, on one Sunday, I had Uber Eats for all three meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, all Uber Eats. It gets worse, I had the same delivery guy twice, Carlos on his bike. Thanks, Carlos, see you again in a few hours. Um, yeah, I'm ashamed to admit this. So it's meant that something has had to change. And this is my pandemic positive, my pan pause. I've started cooking. For the first time in my life, I've started cooking. In the last week, I have not ordered Uber Eats once. I am a week clean of Uber Eats. Guys, this is big. Please celebrate with me. This is a hashtag pan pause. So jump on board with that hashtag, pan pause. Um, It feels good. I mean, admittedly, my version of cooking is uh, Latina Fresh packet pasta. You put it in the the big tin thing, the pot, and then you boil the water, and then eventually the pasta floats to the top, and that's when you know your meal is ready. I'm giving you cooking tips as well now. There, oh, it doesn't end there. You also need to um, put sauce on it. Don't make sauce. You get um, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, Legos or um, uh, organic macro with basil, tomato. You splash a bit of that garlic and then it's just like you're in Rome. It's exactly the same, autentico, I call it. So yes, that is my pan-pos that I have started cooking. My pandemic positive, I'm cooking, I'm feeling like more of an adult and long may it continue. But I thought I could put it out to you guys to share some of your um, wins that you've had recently. I'll just grab my saxophone. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought I could share a few more of mine and then you could tell me yours and we could find some things to be happy about and be pleased about in these challenging times. Here's some more of mine. Okay, Uh-uh. I've got the time now to actually cook. I go for runs now and I'm reading more books. I fix my garden and that was a thrill. I clear my Arvos to Netflix and chill. And I'm confident now to finally reveal the Carol Baskin killed her husband. Yeah. Okay. I took a little turn at the end, but they're the positives I've found from my time in ISO so far. I want to put it out to you guys. Pandemic positive. What have you got? Hashtag PanPoz. Over to you, M.
0: Sam What a guy. And get on board with that, guys. Hashtag PanPoz. I love that he started his own hashtag. He did a song. He had cooking tips. He did sound effects. Can you see? He's such a tryhard like me. You can find Sam on Instagram at sammac_insta, and of course, he is your weather girl on Sunrise. That's it. Huge bumper edition for M I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Make sure you've subscribed if you listen to us on iTunes. Leave a review, as always. I recommend five stars, and um, you know, tell a friend. Bring ten friends, whatever. Let's uh, let's get this thing really successful like so I can just retire on podcasts. No one has ever retired on a podcast by the way. Uh, thanks again and I'll catch you guys next Tuesday have a great weekend.